0: So Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then Luke, chapter 11 verses 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord.
1: good morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we simply pray that you will come now, that you will speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls, and that you would teach us how to pray. Amen. to ask someone who knows me quite well, uh, kind of what I am known for, Um, I think probably the majority of people would say uh, that I was known uh, for loving prayer and being a prayer. Is that fair enough? Carl's nodding, I'll take that as a yes. So when I saw that today's uh, subject was transformative prayer, prayer uh, transforms us, um, I was delighted and I read the readings and I was delighted And then when I came to sit down and prepare for this morning, I was not so delighted because if I'm going to be really, really honest with you, I had a problem. I had a problem with the title of today's talk, that prayer is transformative. And I suppose if I take off my mask, deep, deep down inside, I was saying, is it really, Lord? is prayer really transformative? And then that led me to something else. Because then I thought, well, actually, Lord, if prayer is transformative, why do I sometimes find it so hard to pray? Why do I find my mind drifting off in all kinds of other directions? Why would I suddenly prefer to clean the bath than sit down and pray? I realized I was in trouble and so I prayed I prayed and I came to God's word and these two readings from this morning having dug around in those and having prayed and sat with them all week I can now stand here and honestly say that prayer is transformative I believe that that prayer changes our lives prayer changes other people's lives and prayer changes the world but before we can move forward in our sermon series and think about that i just want to flip back to last week when we were thinking about god as our father because we need to remember who it is that we are praying to We're praying to God, the Father Almighty, uh, of whom we heard in the words of the psalm, created the whole world, created us, created everything that ever has been and everything that is ever still to come. God, our Heavenly Father, is our Daddy. When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray and therefore us how to pray, he said, pray, our Daddy who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The words of the Lord's Prayer. So when we pray, we're not praying to a God who is far away and over there, uh, someone with whom we can't have a relationship. When we pray, we are praying to God, our Father, our Daddy, who knows our name, who has our name engraved on the palm of his hand. This is the person to whom we come with our requests. This is the person to whom we pray when jesus was teaching the disciples about the lord's prayer he didn't just stop there in luke's gospel and his teaching about prayer he continued on and between uh our reading this morning from luke and the lord's prayer there's this little story that he tells he tells the story of a man who has a visitor late at night and hasn't got anything in the larder to give him and so this man wanting some bread decides that he's going to go and knock on his neighbor's door to ask for bread Now, I love my neighbours, and I think that they love me, uh, but I would think twice or even three times before I was to knock on their door at midnight and ask them for something. Would that be the same for you? Yeah, I can see some nods. This man, in need, went to knock on his neighbour's door. In Jesus' day, the family would have all slept together in one place, husband, wife, children. Children if the father gets up and answers the door and gives his friends some bread there's a very real danger that the children are going to wake up if the children are going to wake up then what is his wife going to say if the children are cavorting around the house at midnight what are the neighbors going to say in the morning about all of the prayer why uh, sorry about all of the noise why would this man get up Jesus tells us that the man does not get up because it's his friend that's knocking at the door. The man gets up, no, simply because of his friend's nerve at coming to knock. The man gets up because of his friend's shameless boldness in asking. And it's at this point of the story that this morning's reading from Luke kicks in. So now Jesus is applying this parable to his disciples, saying, so I say to you. In other words, meaning this is how we are to come before God when we pray. We are to come before God with shameless boldness. Jesus tells us to ask and to seek and to knock. Asking is Jesus' invitation to pray. Unlike this situation of having to disturb the neighbour, our heavenly daddy is positively waiting to hear from us. He's waiting for us to come to him in prayer, whatever the time of the day or the night. That completely blows my mind, really, that God, the creator of everything, is waiting to hear us speak to him. Just waiting. Earlier on in the year... I had a bit of a school trip with college. I decided that whenever there was a school trip with college, I would decide. Uh, I decided that I would go on it. So I found myself in Rome uh, going to a papal audience. Whoa, it was big. We had to get up exceedingly early in the morning, far too early, really. Uh, we walked to uh, the, uh, the square. Uh, we had to go through metal detectors and security checks, uh, and then we took our seats up near the front. And because it was so busy, uh, then we had to wait for about two hours, because that's the time that it took for everybody else to flood into the square in front of St. Peter's. And then there was a bit of a murmur in the crowd, and everybody was on their feet, and they were straining to look. And there, because the square is so huge, there in the distance was this tiny dot of a white motor vehicle, the Pope mobile, with the Pope. And everybody was watching as the Pope went through the passageways and through the crowd. Everybody wanted to see the Pope. Everybody wanted to hear what the Pope had to say. And then afterwards, quite a few people uh, wanted the Pope's blessing. They were clamouring, absolutely clamouring. I cannot tell you the last time that I was so excited that I jumped up on my chair to stand and look over the crowd. But I did. And so did everybody else. Everybody was clamouring to see the Pope, to see his blessing upon them. But for God, God, our Heavenly Father, he's waiting for us just to gently come. Now, I love the Pope. Talk to me about the Pope afterwards. I will tell you even more stories. Um, But actually, what a difference. The difference between clamouring to see the Pope... And having access, instant access to our Heavenly Father. We simply have to pray, and He is listening. He knows what's on our hearts and in our minds, even before we have formed the words. And when we ask, Jesus teaches us that God does hear, and He responds by giving. The next thing that Jesus says is about seeking. Seeking is an invitation to pursue God's God and his will. And knowing God's will is a deep and abiding understanding of revelation of Christ and all that he means for the universe. There's something here about having to stand back and look at the bigger picture of what God is doing in his creation, what God desires for his creation. Jesus is teaching that seeking kingdom goals is especially to be in the hearts of his disciples we are to seek the things that bring righteousness right relationship with god and advance his plan and jesus promises that when we seek we will find i have a friend who imagines jesus playing uh, heavenly hide and seek But actually Jesus is really not very good at heavenly hide and seek because whenever uh, we as his people go seeking, Jesus just cannot manage to stand behind the curtains and he's jumping out and going, I'm over here, I'm over here, find me. He says, seek and we will find him. He dearly wants us to find him. And Jesus uses knocking, uh, knocking uh, as a picture of coming into God's presence and blessing when we knock jesus says that the door will be open to us god will not withhold his presence or his blessing from us so when we pray jesus says that we are to come into god's presence we are to seek his will and his kingdom and receive his blessings in our lives and in doing so our relationship with god deepens and grows as we sense and we see him in our lives As we come before God in prayer, asking, seeking, and knocking, God responds. There's relationship. It's like an ongoing movement, almost like a dance where God is the leading partner. God supplies as the disciple prays, and the disciple discovers as God supplies. It's like this beautiful intertwined relationship. And what God supplies in response to our prayers is just beyond our wildest imagination. It's immeasurably more because our Father in heaven is so much more generous and extravagant than the most generous and extravagant earthly Father. And when we stop to ponder God's generosity, we need to remember actually we've already received the greatest the best the most rich gift that god could ever give us and that's his son jesus christ jesus who died on the cross that our relationship with daddy god could be restored and our father's heaven heavenly father's generosity is seen uh, not only in that he gave us jesus but also that when Jesus died and rose and returned back to heaven, that God did not leave us alone, but instead instead sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. And we know that because that's what we read in the Bible. At the end of the uh, reading in Luke, I think the disciples would have got a bit of a surprise because Jesus says, that we, uh, when we pray for the Holy Spirit that God will send the Holy Spirit. Now to the disciples that would have been really shocking because up until that point God would have given his Holy Spirit uh, to particular people at a particular time for a particular purpose. So for Moses uh, God gave his Holy Spirit as Moses was uh, leading the Israelites out from Egypt. Uh, to Joseph Uh, God gave the Holy Spirit so that he could interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, To the prophets, God gave his Holy Spirit so that they could speak his word to the people. Now, Jesus is telling the disciples to ask God for his Holy Spirit. Now, there's a prayer that's transformative. Because when the Holy Spirit lives in us, he transforms our lives from the inside out We will never ever be the same once the Holy Spirit moves into our life. It's the Holy Spirit who gives to each one of us gifts and talents to share with the church, to build up the church here on earth. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that grow in us, usually slowly over the years, uh, making us kinder and more patient, filling us with love and peace and all of the other fruit of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is transformative. It changes us. It changes others, and it changes the world. We're just going to change gear slightly and look at the reading from Colossians. This is a worked example of Paul praying. The very fact that Paul is praying shows his pastoral concern for the Colossians. He hasn't even met these people. He didn't found their church. Uh, it was Epaphras that did that. It was Epaphras that shared the gospel with them. But Jesus, uh, sorry, but Paul hears about them and he's there praying for them. <coughs> and before our reading, he was giving thanks for them. There's something about prayer and thanksgiving that goes together really, really well. I think thanksgiving leads us into prayer really well also been praying for them and asking just like jesus said to he's been asking god to fill the colossians with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding and that's exactly in line with jesus teaching to seek god's will so paul is asking and he is seeking paul prays for knowledge for the colossians so that they can live righteously have a right relationship with god and it's that right relationship with god which pleases him and bears fruit in every part of the believer's life. Basically, in this prayer, Paul is asking, seeking, and knocking on the Colossians' behalf. It's intercessory prayer in a nutshell. Paul doesn't know them, he hasn't met them, but he's heard about their faith in Jesus. That's all he needs to be able to get on his knees and to get down and get praying for them. When we receive a little prayer diary through the post from Mission Society or we meet someone and they ask us to pray for them and they just share a little part of their story, that's all that we need. When we sit down and we hear the news and we see the pictures of people in our world struggling and in trouble, that's all we need. That's all we need to know. To get praying. To ask God. To seek God and to knock on their behalf. Paul's prayer is transforming others, the Colossians, and they are transforming the world through their good works. And Paul knows that transforming the world is absolutely no easy task. So he prays for them for power, endurance, and patience for the Colossians as they bear the fruit that they might be filled with thanks and joy and that that thanks and joy would overflow into praise to God. Paul prayed with shameless boldness. Not only for the Colossian Christians, but for the whole of the Christian church in its early years. He prayed for all kinds of things in all kinds of circumstances. The Romans may have imprisoned Paul, but they could not stop him from praying. When I was in Rome... There was a place where they thought that Paul had been held uh, under house arrest. And there was a, a large granite column, not unlike the column in the middle of the church here. And on that column was some graffiti in Latin and some little carved chains. And the graffiti said, the word of God cannot be chained. The word of God. Both the word of God's that we now read in our Bible but also Jesus, the word of God, cannot be chained. I wonder, the Romans must have thought that they were doing a great thing locking Paul up, but perhaps he was even more powerful in praying and in writing to the church than he would have been travelling around and preaching. Who knows? Only God knows. But the word of God cannot be chained. There is nothing that can hold God back. So in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in in life, whatever place we are in, we can always pray because Jesus, the word of God, cannot be chained and as we come to God in prayer for ourselves and others and the world, let's be shamelessly bold as we ask and seek and knock because we can know and trust that prayer is transformative because jesus tells us so and that was another thing that i just found truly amazing this week as i struggled with transformation jesus the very person who was teaching the disciples the very one whose words we have recorded in the gospel on how to pray is the one to whom we pray just blows my mind and he tells us to be shamelessly bold that was the challenge to my prayer life am i shamelessly bold in what i pray are you shamelessly bold in what you pray what are the deepest desires of our hearts do we dare ask god for those or are we just polite With our Father, the Father, do we come to our Daddy and tell him the desires of our hearts? How big are our prayers? Pete Gregg from the 24 7 prayer movement uh, quite often talks about praying your best prayers. When I thought back over kind of the way that my prayer life is looking at the moment, I was dissatisfied. It's not that I'm not praying. I being bold? Are you being bold? Are we even feeling a little bit reckless when we pray? Oh Lord, could you ever possibly do that? Let's pray. Let's be bold. Let's pray our best prayers to our best Father in Heaven. Jesus asks us to or tells us to ask and to seek and to knock and as we do that god will be at work he will be at work transforming us he will be at work transforming those for whom we pray and he will be at work in the world amen